Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift for one of the best doubleheaders we have had in a long time. Saint-Amont, Montrond was where Paranese started. We'll have Torreno Adriatico as well at the end of this pod. It finishes, though, this stage. The first mountaintop finish, if we can call that, between Pog and Vingegaard since the Tour de France in a stage race, if we don't count Lombardi, which Pog swept uh, the floor with Jonas with. <laughs> 7K, 7%, but it comes after like a stepped medium mountain section that I think was raced, well, I don't think it was raced really hard with multiple short, punchy climbs and the intermediate sprint at the end of like a 9K falls flat 3% section with six seconds on offer before a descent into the base of the final. Uh, Pedersen, no, not Pedersen, caught in the GC lead. Vingegaard, I think it was 13 seconds or so in the end, ahead of Pegatra on GC, Benji. We yep. thought Pog would win the stage. Were you surprised by the break composition? Because we sort of, I sort of said, oh, Yumbo could get guys in the break to make it go all the way. It was still a pretty strong break. It was a pretty strong break, but there were riders in there that, if, for example, a Jumbo Visma rider was riding on a different team, he would have likely gotten in the breakaway, I think. We didn't see the actual creation of the breakaway, so it's difficult to say whether UAE neutralized any attacks by Jumbo Visma at the start, whether some stuff was going on between those two teams that made the breakaway form later, because I did feel like the breakaway formed late into today's stage. I swear it was like a solid 40-ish kilometers in, which means that it takes some time there, but there was also some services in the peloton because the first like 40, 50 kilometers of the stage had potential echelons. There were some echelon rumors floating around, so there was a possibility there, but that didn't really occur. That break got away, and that break had, like you said, solid riders, two riders from Uno X. Uh, it also included, um, did it include this breakaway? Jesus. Gregard. Um, KOM oh, boy. Yeah, Uno yeah, X Erasure. He was from, you know, X, one of those two riders, but next to him, actually solid climbers as well in Hugo Ull, going into the front stage, Pascal Einkorn, who has been good at those Mallorca challenges, Kalmajan, Warbass, and, uh, well, that's already a, a solid a list solid of six break. riders with Skarsev. So those are riders where I would say you still have to pace quite a bit after to get them caught in the end. So maybe a bit more dangerous, agreed? A bit more dangerous than UAE probably wanted in this stage, but maybe... Stuff happened before the broadcast happened where they had to let this break go to make sure Yumbo Rider didn't get in there. We don't know that. But anyway, this break got a gap. This break kept on going. But at 90k to go, something happened. At 90k to go, Groupama pulls crosswinds and there's a split in the peloton for a bit. And there was some unsureness on the internet whether Vingago was behind or not in that split. We know that Pogacar was in the front echelon. Some reports say that Vingegaard was behind in the second echelon. Some say that he was with Pogacar. So I actually don't know where he was, but that on the side, they got caught again. But I do want to notice now, 
the second the broadcast started, one of the things that someone sent to me was, why is Vingegaard riding with his aero Cervelo bike instead of his climbing Cervelo bike on this stage? Do you think the fear for echelons might have had an influence on that? Oh, because 90% of the stage is flat or ridden over 30 kilometers an hour, then the climb itself is ridden at 25 kilometers an hour, I think. 7K, 7%, very steady, no steep sections. So the aero bike is going to win out. Like weight really only starts to matter much more above 7%. And you're going to save more before the climb by using the aero bike if the aero bike actually works as an aero bike, which I don't know anything about that stuff. As I said yesterday, we're not tech heads, but that's the general reason why you will see guys on an aero bike. Um, in a stage like this, even in, I mean, yeah, there's only really the pure mountain stages where you'll see the climb bike. And also with long descents, you might want, uh, I think this is why the TCR is quite good that, and Jayco have a pretty good setup because that's kind of a do-it-all bike that Yace was on. Not that it helped them too much today. Uh, but before we get into the meat of this stage, and it the last 45 case of this was really, really good with UAE investing a lot. It's time for you to invest in the Tour of What's Hope here from March all the way to the end of this month to April 16th. You can unlock the fast track, double down on the fun with five stages of the Tour of Watopia on Zwift, perhaps. And as I know many of you have, thanks for supporting the show, by the way, have gotten the Zwift hub and you don't need to support the show to want to get the Zwift hub. It is objectively the best priced direct drive trainer on the market trying to put that to use on Zwift where you'll get fitter as you earn double XP during every event for the next month, about five weeks or so. It's really fun. Tour of Watopia and Benji and I will be on. Benji's crushing it at the moment with his fitness goals. He put up a, he did his first 10 kilometer. You didn't do the climb yesterday, Benji. You put up the video of you doing the first 10 kilometer climb yesterday. Yeah, exactly. I did a like two months before I uploaded a video because I'm so far behind on content, but I've got around 2,300 gigabytes of like footage of me riding on Zwift on my computer, put it into videos, but I'm not sure how much of that will make it into videos, but I surely have ridden a lot on Zwift and I'll continue doing it. Maybe not in the Tour of Utopia because I'm stuck in my, in my six day stage race at the moment, which had a really depressed ending into my first stage because I finished first in my first stage. So let's last in my first stage, sorry. First, I would have been more happy, but last, not that much. So, hey, hopefully I don't get lost on every single stage. <laughs> you won't. I think you'll get that cadence up. You got the Jan Ulrich. You got the East German cadence, Benji. Um... <laughs> I fixed it. I fixed, fixed it. it. All right. <laughs> it's 80, okay. 90 now, not like 50, oh, 60. Sweet. <laughs> I mean, Bernal lives at 70 cadence, 75 cadence, so RPM, so... I mean, horses for course or whatever works for you, to be honest. Some are grinders, some are spinners. Hog was looking a little bit, by the way, to bring it back to Paranese, a little bit more fluid on the pedals today. I was kind of looking yeah. at him like, oh, higher cadence. UAE have had Bonin and Belgian podcast saying Pog would have won all five monuments, all three Grand Tours and World Championships if he was using a different bike. We've had the bike manufacturer of UAE coming back and well, saying that's not true or whatever. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, when has Pog ever had an issue with his climbing bikes? We can talk about Christoph on and Gavir on this in terms of sprints, but yeah, I I think UAE have done pretty fine. Not a plug um, <laughs> on their bikes. Agreed, agreed, agreed. I think I think Bonin made the mistake by saying a specific kilometer an hour that Pog would have been faster on Where a different bike. Where did he get that bike. from? 
I, I think he just made that up on the spot and said, oh, 2K an hour. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> just, I mean, listen, Fucking maybe Bonin's also in the wind tunnel. I don't know. Okay, back to this stage. We have the strong breakaway ahead. They are working really well. Ancorn did anticipate before one of the climbs, and he's solo, and he's a strong rider, and these are big ring climbs, remember, wide roads. The break behind is still working really well. There's multiple riders with teammates in that move, and Gregard wants KOM points. Behind, UAE have to make up, well, sorry, before the climb, crosswind nervousness, all that really, nothing split up. All that really meant was that people spent more calories or kilojoules in yep. your getting to the front more nervousness there had been splits before coverage started but no one really wanted to continue with it and no one really knows if i don't see it i don't trust it as well benji i'm a bit like that with the live tracker i get that when it comes to the intermediate sprint i do want to ask like we see oe pace completely out with 50k to go to try and make sure this break gets caught and they kind of don't succeed <laughs> Because the last rider, Scarset, I think, is still up front as we're nearing that intermediate sprint. Then Matthews shoots out, and then Pogacar shoots out behind Matthews, and Pogacar ends up with those two seconds at that intermediate sprint. Do you feel like UAE messed up there, or is that fine, those two seconds, because Vingegaard would have been the position after him anyway? Um, no, because the, I don't think Vingegaard would have been in the position after him. I don't think so either. So it actually sort of a win for Yumbo, uh, both Matthews' friendship over with Pogaccia, jumping out to take the six seconds. Like, yeah, I mean, he got the jump on Pog. No one reacted. Car out of the garage. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's Pog's car in Matthews' garage. Oh, yeah, you're right. I don't know how yeah. this works now. Yeah, so now I, I don't know what happens. Second car? car? Um. Yeah, maybe he has to put another car in there. I don't know. But one of the break, as is a scar set, took the four seconds. So we, the reason we say this is because if Pog takes six, I don't think Jonas is taking any. So the delta is six instead of two, which Pog takes. Uh, in the end, at this moment, I was thinking, wow, UAE have spent a shitload of resources bringing back that move. They've got two seconds for it, which is not nothing, but it's not what they wanted. They've also spent Wellens, and they really only have Groshart on the left before a 7k climb. I didn't. I thought there was going to be a lack of control then afterwards. Potentially, but I also noticed that when that intermediate sprint was over, Matches and Pogaccio went going, and Jonas Vingegaard himself closed that down. Not looking at teammates, like I think Fosler or some other dude from Yumbo was a bit behind Vingegaard, but Jonas closed that himself. Were you surprised by that? I was pretty surprised by that to me this looks similar to remember that stage when Wout attacked with like Pedersen on the tour last year or like there were other stages where Jonas just starts panicking and you yeah. see when he starts waving it knows when he was waving at the note <laughs> when when Wout went into the break in break formation and then uh Poggy bridged to him yeah I mean this happened multiple times and then Jonas <laughs> was like waving his hands yeah and then didn't wait for his team. And it's like, I mean, if he can, if Poggy can do that descent solo with Matthews and the yep. 7K climb solo and still win, then you're not beating him anyway. <laughs> like, then he's, you know, too good. Maybe too good <laughs> anyway. So I, that seemed like he was playing into Pogaccia's hands because Pogaccia wants 
all things being equal, him on the flat in the wind, Jonas on the flat in the wind. Because Jonas is losing yep. more on the flat than Pog, who looks, he's much more aerodynamic visually. I'm not a tech head, but I see a man that's turned his levers in a little bit. I presume he's gone a little bit quicker on the flat. They've changed their wheels, tires, everything. And, and he's got the aero helmet on, Pog too. So he's putting Jonas in the position he wants him to be in after what's been a hard stage in the big ring. And Jonas fell for it. He should have stayed in the wheels. FDJ, Arkea, Ajdazer, Ineos, they're going to bring it back on that descent. Yeah, like, there's no need to panic. Ajdazer, why? Why? Why APP? are they there? What? Only Panther, man. Ooh. No belief. <laughs> I didn't know why. Wild Coffin is pacing, like... by the way. Wild uh, Coffin is pacing the break Same pack. thing, I guess. No. They wanted to. I, I've got the plan. They saw Gregor in the break and thought he's going to take KOM points again. We got to make sure we can steal KOM points in the coming stages by catching Gregor in the breakaway and therefore reducing the KOM points that Gregor will take in this stage. Yeah, That's a I lunatic mean, answer, but... It made no sense why they were pacing the break back to me with Cockard, but they did anyway. Um, anyway, Ineos take control with Freyler into the descent, making sure they enter the climb in good position. That's what they typically do. That doesn't mean they're going to pace the climb. They do that with Freyler. Martinez felt more comfortable there. Vingegaard was in okay position. Pogaccio is a little bit further back. Vingegaard eventually finds his wheel into the climb, and we have Groschart lighting it, lighting it up. And... A hard pace too, Benji, I think, at the base. And this is a UAE yeah. textbook is you make, if you don't have the full train to pace the whole climb, you may as well use the one guy you have to yep. like blow it up at the base to call, you know, drop people, drop all the rest of the domestiques. So at least it's Pog mano y mano against all the other leaders. And Groschartner was really impressive. I thought his pull was strong. But I do believe this is pure Champoussin erasure. That attack... <laughs> was Latour 2.0. I've never Dude. seen an attack so useless than what Sean Poussin did today. He went to the front at the think. bottom of the climb. He <laughs> shot away without screaming. Ah! Didn't happen today. And he got caught. And he dropped. It was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. Also, when... He's got Vocalin here who's really good. Like, yeah. And we saw some yeah, other curious things. In the, in the group. Anyway, Groschart in a hard pace. Of course, the TV directors miss it, like they missed the Grenoble attack, I think. And Jonas has attacked Pogaccia early on the climb. Must have been feeling himself. Poggy in the wheels. Poggy doesn't relay Benji. Yeah. Surprised? Doesn't Not counter surprised. either. Not surprised because Pogacar's goal on this stage is taking bonus seconds on Vingegaard at minimum. So the best way to do that is to stay with Vingegaard and then out sprinting him in the end. There is no real rider in the front anyway at that point. There's only riders dropping. Magnus Kodo's yellow jersey is back in Narnia, like you would say. Paolo's in the Shadow Realm. Shockman is dropped. Jungles is pacing for Shockman, so waiting on Shockman, even though they're close to each other in GC. So was kind of expecting Jungles to have his own freedom on the stage, considering that. But that didn't happen. They were all being dropped. Haig was dropped, so he was also back there. And... I don't know. Pogacar had no reason to really pace with Vingegaard, in my opinion. So I have no issue there. But that leads to the following scenario. If Pogacar doesn't pace with Vingegaard, Vingegaard says to himself, well, if I keep pacing, he's just going to counter me in the end. So he also stops pacing. And they get caught again in the group. And then we see the, the opposite of Champoussin. Champoussin 
the worst attack I've ever seen in cycling. Godu, one of the better attacks I've ever seen in so 2023. Smart. One of the best attacks because he waits until the others are caught, and then at that exact moment, Godu shoots, and Pogacar won't close it. Vingegaard won't close it. They've just been into a move, and there's no real point to it. Sometimes a Pogacar would still jump on that move, but today he didn't. So Godu got the freedom, and it went up to 8 seconds, 14 seconds, 20 seconds at a certain point, before we see other moves like Chris Harper and so forth. But I didn't expect Chris Harper, I didn't really trust Chris Harper to close that, so I expected that to come back, but then uh, the big guns started moving again, eh? They did. Pogacar starts to pace back initially, but then he's like, eh, I'm not going to pace the whole time with Jonas just sitting in my wheel. I did think that was odd, Harper going himself with Yates in the group. Um, yep. It, I mean, I'm actually not really out to criticise it, Benji, to be honest. Because like, Yates can jump we, to it. I, we've sat here and criticised, well, I have, Jayco for being like very traditional in their strategies in the past three or so years of like, we. oh, Jesus, just <laughs> nearly inhaled on my defensive Jayco. I was so excited <laughs> to defend the Australian team. I was like, why are you not getting in the break when you have, you know, a versatile sprinter? Don't chase yeah. all day. Get in the break with court. And they did that last year on Mond, and it was successful. And then sometimes they're like, why have you got seven climbing domestiques for Simon Yates, who's just going to drop and lose 50 seconds at the end of the stage? And instead, they're giving Harper a chance to go for the stage. So I'm actually, well, I'm not going to criticize it. Even if Harper doesn't end up taking the stage, it means Yates you're have putting to a rider ahead that would likely drop if Pogacar and Vingegaard attack. Exactly. So by doing that, he becomes a domestique that could be useful later if, you, if Yates drops from Vingegaard and Pogacar's wheel. So I think it's actually a, a useful attack if you look at it like that, because what is Harper going to do in that group? If Yates drops, he can still wait. It's only like 10 seconds on a climb, so that's not the end yeah. of the world. So I don't see the issue there. But like you said, Pogacar started pacing and then stopped a bit. But the move that actually happened later, Pogacar's proper attack, seemed a bit... Odd in the way that Vingo wasn't on his wheel. Pogacar made an instant gap of 5-10 meters. And because of that, Vingo is out of the draft. Because there's still some draft, eh? On like 7%? Of course, yeah. Especially when they're attacking at over 30 kilometers an hour. Draft is over 10 watts, maybe over 15 watts. So it uh, might even be actually more than that. So... Yeah, like, there's a big difference, especially when Poggy has got the stronger kick, or has the stronger kick than Vingegaard. Yeah. And this is where, when you saw on, when we think about Pogacar's attacks in the Tour de France last year, Alpe d'Huez, yeah. uh, Spandell. I would say Spandell were the attacks where Pogacar got the biggest gaps that Jonas then closed. Uh, Alpi barely had a gap at any point. Um, on Spandell's, he had good gaps. Vingegaard never really got back in the saddle when he was closing them. He fully pushed the whole time and there was no like Remco, ah, I'm a TT you back. I'm just going to ride my power meter back. No, no, no. He snapped closes Pagacha. And today, 10 seconds, 15 seconds go past, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. The gap's getting a bit smaller, but then it stabilizes. And all of a sudden, Vingegaard just completely cracks Benji as Pogacar. <laughs> like, that's what it was. This was a full crack. Yeah. Um, I don't think this goes really any differently if he's on the wheel of Pog when he first attacks. Maybe he doesn't lose as much time. He still but gets proper dropped. 
if Pogacar attacks with Vingegaard on the wheel, if he stays on the wheel there, is there not a, a potential chance that Pogacar sees, okay, he's on the wheel, let's stop the attack and let's try again a bit later? He might drop later, but it might not yeah. be that early on the climb, potentially. Exactly. So yeah, maybe he drops in with 1k to go, 1500 meters, and he won't lose much time. I still think... Well, yeah, yeah. he's losing time today, regardless. Yeah. Poggy, just way <laughs> too strong. Bridges to Gadoo. Gadoo, brilliant. Then he, like, fakes a relay with Pog. He's like, I'll pull with you. Five-second pull, smart, of course. Gudu should sit in Pog's wheel. Anything else is stupid. Pog paces him the whole time. Pog dusts him in the sprint. I don't really think there's anything David Gudu could have done here differently. I think he actually did the best climb possible. Incredibly smart the way David yeah. Gudu played this. Gino Mater, though, would go back down the mountain. Gino Mater's behind Vingegaard, pacing Vingegaard. Drops Vingegaard. We see the French. I don't want to hear APP erasure, Benji, even though myself <laughs> I was mocking AG2R during the stage. Vokala and Parry Pantra go past Vingegaard and drop him as well. So Vingegaard fully for the cracks. Which one? <laughs> Vokala. Yeah, Vokala's legit, like, good, good rider. Um, I think he's locked up for a few years. Let me have a look. In reality, yeah. APP as well. APP can yeah. top 15 a Grand Tour and can win stages in Grand Tours. Let's be honest about that. But it was just odd seeing them pace when other teams wouldn't have done it as well. So that was kind of my reasoning behind it. That being said, great climb. Before, uh, my words are escaping from this room. Great climbing performance by those two riders. And got getting passed by them is kind of a, similar to what happened to Bogatron on Granol, Fully cracking and then riders passing you left and right. And... What does this do with Jonas Vingegaard after this and with Jan Bovisma with their, their confidence in Vingegaard and, and the race here? The race, like, I'll be honest, after this, 99% chance that Pogaccio wins this race, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, what's the gap now? Pogaccio takes his 10-second lead ahead of Gudu, 44 seconds ahead of Vingegaard. I don't know how Jan Bovisma's team are going to pace hard enough on stage seven to yeah take that much time on a seven percent climb even if somehow Vingegaard like <laughs> finds a lot of watts so yeah. yeah also big problems today for Martinez Yates they lost oh. 51 seconds to Pagacha in that really late burst um Jack Haig lost 138 Paulus dropped early but he actually sort of came back a little bit, but yeah, he finished with Cavagna, Benji. Cavagna said he's going for GC here. Cavagna, yeah, but that's actually a good result. It makes no sense that he's going for I GC, but... I think still. I know the reason. Quickstep is transforming to a GC team for, uh, for not, not for Wout van Aert, for him, Kuevenepoel, the other Belgian, and they're having limited domestiques for him. Maybe Cavagna thinks if I can get better at climbing, and he is getting better at climbing, I can stay within this team in the format of a climbing domestique with time trial capabilities for the flat, a cheaper version of Osgren. I think that's not a bad idea. And in the Vuelta, he was really, really good in medium mountain. So, yeah, I mean, 7 kilometers, 7%. He must have done over 6 watts per kilo for about yep. 20 minutes. Um, or no, no, they did, I think no. it was 16 minutes or so, this climb. I, my mistake. Um, Anything else from this climb, Benji? Are we are we going to overreact? I should we? 
Pogacar wins the tour was my was my response at the start of the season, so it's still the same thing. But this 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 result won't change that. It's a preseason race, and Pogacar was much better at the Tour de France last year than he was at Tirreno. That being said, it is going to pop up some doubts, I think, in the Jumbo Visma camp just by the fact that Pogacar is beating Pogacar that much, and it also maybe gives us a bit of a sign that beating a bunch of riders that are not even CTEC Grand GC riders at Gran Camino probably doesn't say much about your former early season either because back then he looked extraterrestrial and now he doesn't <laughs> put, put vocal and Gran Camino and he comes second I mean Vingegaard must have done shit was today like this is a terrible performance so yeah. no and you I'm surprised like this is kind of what he did last year um I think if he hadn't won the tour last year and he was in the same shape this time in March as this as last year in March, he would not have attacked Pagacha like that. Yeah. I think he attacked because he's more confident and he's won too the confident? tour. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean in the end, yeah, he was too confident. He attacked Pog at the start really hard and then wasn't on his wheel and then got cooked. But yeah. does this I mean, I think they did about 6.5, early estimation, 6.5 for 16 minutes. And yeah, Jonas did way less than that. So not his top performance, um, but Poggy just superior on this sort of climb. He didn't wait for a sprint. Really, really impressive. Um, does this, what the, this does say to me, Benji, is though, I think I was right in thinking the way Pagacha rode the mound climb was not Correct. Just steady pacing yeah. the whole time on steep. I think his big weapon is bursts. Like he can really, if he forces Vingegaard to really sprint, yeah. I think he can create an, a situation like today. I think so as well. But I also believe that Vingegaard's level at the Tour de France was significantly bigger, so he might not have made a difference regardless of doing that. I believe. Yeah, but I, I do I want to mention right. outside of that point, Jorgensen, once again, with a proper climbing performance, his GC qualities are really there, let's be honest about that. I don't actually remember his time tri trial capabilities. From last year, 28th on Rocco Madur, so not terrible. Probably can be better if he's in a better team. 11th in the Dauphiné time trial. So he's relatively okay in time trial. Is this the GC rider that Trek Segafredo should get next year? Hmm... I don't know. Should Trek even go in for GC? We've been complaining for three years that they don't have a <laughs> GC talent, so we can't, we can't turn the hairpin now. <laughs> Chicane? Uh, Nibli out of retirement? <laughs> the Barry reputation yeah, is a bit it's not, it's not looking good, bruv. It's no, not the looking cat good. Is dead. Yeah, I think Schelmoser is... I would keep developing him. I think Schelmoz is good. Yeah. And his sprint is like, isn't he, isn't he kind of like mini Jonas? Schelmoz, he's Danish. And is that why you're calling him mini Jonas? He's Danish, small, <laughs> uh, pale, quite punchy. <laughs> he's 22. Like, yeah. To me, it seems pretty, it's all, it's all the same. So yeah. he should be able to do seven for 10. Um, nah, but all jokes aside, I think Schelmoz is pretty good. Ah, uh, he's locked in for a, another yeah. until the end of twenty-four. Um, tomorrow's oh, GC over Benji. 
PC yeah. is over. It's done. Um, mainly because <laughs> even if even if Jonas somehow was better on the long climb, like he was in the tour, Yumbo's team Benji can't. Yeah, agreed. I just don't see it happening. Like, they don't have the team for it. They can't blow it up in the same way that they did last year on the final stage. But even then, Pogaccia would be better on that stage anyway. So. I don't believe they can change this around. I think Pogacar wins Paris-Nice, and it's unfortunate for the race that it happened so early on, but hey, if Vingegaard's not good enough, he's not good enough, eh? Or do you believe that someone else can come around and snipe it away from Pogacar, like David Guru, 10 seconds behind? I mean, this is, yeah, it's, it will be interesting. I think if I'm Pogacar, I would, don't, don't back down, double down, I'd go for more time on the long climb, because he is better than everyone here, yeah. and kill it before stage eight. Yeah. You don't want, you don't want David Gadu around 10 seconds on stage we eight do. where a mechanical can change things, kill it on stage seven. As spectators do want the gap to be small. So let's hope he doesn't do that on the big climb. Let's hope it's close. I think he will. When Pogaccia feels good, he attacks. <laughs> Every we time. We are talking about Cavagna being in that group. Sobrero's also in that group. So he's also kind of that rider, eh? Yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't have the other qualities of Cavagna that I, you know, right in the front. Crashing yeah. in time trials. <laughs> yeah, crashing and descents in America. Um, tomorrow oh, stage. Jesus. In, when was, was that? That was him, right? <laughs> yeah, that was him. All well, right. no, he didn't, right? He was like almost he crashing every He held corner. it up. He looked like he's on tram tracks. Um, <laughs> Tomorrow's stage, though, Pagacha said he didn't expect to go into yellow, but he'll never turn down a yellow jersey. 213 kilometers from Saint-Forien, Saint so I'm not going to try. It finishes at um, St. Paul's Third Chateau. It has, starts with extended climbing, really, two cat twos, a 1,500-meter, 9% climb off the bat, and then followed by a 5K, 4.5% climb, descent, and then another 2.5K, 6% climb. That's a pretty hard start, and we should, should see Magnus. the break forming there. King Magnus takes the stage from the break. Yeah, I don't see any other option either. Like, who <laughs> else? Who else is here that Harper's too close on GC? And it's a flat finish, by the way. There's two Cat 3s um, with 3.5Ks, 4.7%, 4.6Ks, 5%. But they're like 40, 30 kilometers and 40 kilometers from the finish. So you're not going to drop court on them it really looks that way i i'm looking through for someone else that the hint Ineos? should get in the break sweeney should get in the break connor swift yeah tarling i want to see tarling in the break because martinez gc yeah. not worth defending like he can defend it himself but i would yeah. like to see tarling try and get in the break tomorrow actually Polish? i believe uh, probably. Pollard would probably do that. When it comes to Sharkman, how far is he behind after this one? Because Jungles did pace for him, so let's hope he's not 10 decades behind. Okay, They're both he's... two minutes behind, so completely useless. Too far to get a decent result, but too close to getting the break. Absolutely yeah. pointless. Um, yeah, because Jungles would be dangerous in a break like this, attacking on those final climbs. He could make it interesting, but I expect a big breakaway. All the French teams should want to get in it. I agree with Benji that Cord is really hard to go past, but I think Sweeney and De Gent are a pretty nice combination uh, on a stage like this for Lotto Destiny. 
Anything else from Paranese East, Benji, before we move on to Torino? Nah, just Magnus Court Nilsson. Let's go to Torino. Okay. Torino. Super. I want to make a formal apology for the preview of this Torino Adriatico stage yesterday. I wasted your time, but I, most importantly, I wasted Benji Narsen's time. He said to me, stop. Stop previewing this stage. Because I was like, ooh, a breakaway could go here. It's going to have like a big break. It's going to be tough to bring back and all that. And he's like, bruh, it's going to be the Baez brothers. And you know what? It was the two Baez brothers from YOLO in the break and then two Corotech riders two minutes behind <laughs> and then the Peloton <laughs> another two minutes behind. So it was like the Italian Pro Conti break. It was there. Fantastic stuff. Even though there were loads of climbs <laughs> early in the stage, no one, no one at Torino. It's like old school racing, Benji. 217Ks, everyone agreed. We'll race in the last half an hour, but before then, we're chilling. Yeah, exactly. That's what they were doing, right? But I feel like the tempo did go up with 30K to go because there was some nervousness there. And I always heard this Patrick Bro guy tell me that Italy, no wind, Italy, no wind, no echelons in Italy. It doesn't happen ever. It doesn't. It doesn't happen, eh? Until today. <laughs> <laughs> well, the echelon didn't stay away. Um, so I, it, Jumbo Visma, out of nowhere, like we, everyone's just like, ah, it's going to be a sprint. It's Italy, straight road, it's going to be a sprint. Jumbo Visma go to the front with Benoit, Van Bala, Roglic, Wafenart, and Walter. Walter, is he here? He was the first rider to kick it, mate. Is he allowed to do that? It's Volta going against Team Orders again. <laughs> Bernard was not happy. <laughs> yeah, Tej Bernard starts sitting on, then attacks the echelon. <laughs> um, Yumbo actually got a split. The problem for them was Ineos couldn't make up their mind quickly whether they wanted to cooperate. They had Ghana, Sheffield, Time and Aronsman in the group. Pitcock off the back. Should Ineos have gone all in to this echelon, Benji? Um, they've I got they Jenna, Gegenhardt, Sheffield, Adensman. Well, I would say yes. Because, stage on offer too. But regardless of the stage, they're gaining time in GC with Gegenhardt and Adensman. On Enrique Mas. On Enrique Mas and Ricardo, Ricardo Yates is in the group. So not on, not on the Ricardo Yates. But I do feel like it was a weird echelon. Because this group was ahead for a tiny bit. It was roughly a kilometer. The pace stops a bit when Yambu kind of looks behind and there's like a few riders that don't take over. And then the gap is down to eight seconds instead of the 15 that was before. And then we see moves from behind in the second group, which they're, they're not really pacing. An Arkea rider is pacing, but drops the entire group in doing so. So it's bridging solo. Then we see basically six riders bridging solo. Maz already bridged at this point. So we had... It was like everybody was, was attacking from the second echelon to the yeah, first one no. instead of pacing the second echelon. That's why to the front. No, I'm defending myself. That's why <laughs> echelons in Italy aren't real echelons. Because in real echelons, that doesn't happen. Where people are like, ah, fair enough. I'll just go to the group up the road now. <laughs> in real echelons, you can't do that. You have to come back with the group. Like Van der Poel Bridge, everyone bridged. And Ineos eventually started working. McNulty started working, but it was too late. Even, I mean, I'm going to be hypercritical, Benji. Wavanaert did. He, the echelon formed, and he started doing what he did in Tour de France Stage 7 in 2020. He went to the back of the group and stopped pulling. 
Yeah. And it's like, and then the momentum dies. And I know he had been working, but he's still just, maybe he's looking to see who who's in the group. And we have Binny, we have Philipson. So at that point, you're like, fuck, we're, we're going to gain two seconds on GC for Roglic. Maybe we're going to put all this effort in and Philipson's going to win the stage anyway. Not a great, you know, effort to reward ratio. And anyway, it comes back. But it was cool to see because, listen, I got out of my seat. I was like, oh, wait, what's going on? I thought it was going to be so boring. It does, and this is why, it does make a difference when it does come back, Benji. I yep. think that it helps Philipson so much more than Groenewegen and, and uh, Jakobsen, who've been behind. What do you mean? Well, Jakobsen's tired. Yeah, Stressing but behind. Philipson also worked in the front echelon, so I would True. also say he kind of spent some energy. But I don't know. Yeah. You don't know who's, who spent the most energy in these situations. But Quickstep did close the final, the final gap with Jakobsen, not directly in the wheel of the Quickstep train, I think. But that being said, they stormed into the front instantly. And we go into the final few kilometers with, again, some chaos of everybody trying to get to the front. With, like every single sprint stage this year, what is up with people not getting to the front in time and also having to do it in the last two kilometers, everybody at once. And that causes trouble because then people can't get to the front and can't stay to the front. And Bahrain is a team that is positioned well. Alpazin is positioned well. Quickstep was positioned well, but then wasn't because Jakobsen got pushed to the back a bit and didn't have a lead out. He had no rider in front of him helping him out today, if I recall correctly. So he didn't really have a good wheel at that point. He was an eighth wheel going into the final stretch, basically. And this, the, the lineup was like this. Bahrain rider. We've got an Alpesen rider, which is Van der Poel, the second rider. Philipsen in the wheel. Bauhaus in that wheel, a Kofidis rider who can't hold the wheel so it goes out of the way. Moschetti Renard. has to close that. And Fanard was roughly somewhere in that area. I think Jakobs might have been ahead of Fanard in 7th or 8th position. But that's the lineup yeah. going into the final stretch. And what do we see? Well, yeah, Wout has decided that Jakobsen is the wheel to be, which I sort of disagree with. Jakobsen and Merlier's wheels are not the place to be because yeah. if they get it right you're not coming out of their wheel they win they sometimes also get it wrong and they literally don't get into a competitive position to sprint and so philipson is the master of getting into position to contest as many sprints as possible it's incredible and mvp oh what? can you follow philipson during all those gaps is that He's the danger so small he like he just Gets through so evil. many gaps. <laughs> yeah, it's impressive. And maybe not. And he's just the master of these sort of finishes. And NVDP Benji, he's done some meh leadouts before. Yeah. This was a masterclass. Big, he like wound it up like 20 second lead out. And as they come around the last bend, really brings Philipson up to speed, drops him off with a hundred to go. Zero chance anybody could come out of Philipson's wheel. Philipson says afterwards. Um, you make you didn't have to make it so easy for me. That was in Dutch, Benji Machelik. That's Dutch for easy. Thanks for coming to my Duolingo lesson. <laughs> um, yeah, like a weird finish, a messy finish. When there are messy finishes, there are two men that are, you want to look for. One is Jasper Philipson. Second is Phil Bauhaus. He comes second here. <laughs> Binny third. He goes threat of death under the barriers under Moschetti. The third, 
uh, Consoni fifth. I don't know if it's him or young, talented French rider Axel Zangler who lost the wheel. Uh, Vanart sixth, who said he wasn't going to contest the sprint, but then contested. Uh, turns Edward seventh, Gronavegan eighth, Jakobsen ninth. Didn't really contest. Maus tenth. Um, Alberson are on the board, Benji. Uh, are rumors of their demise exaggerated? I believe they were. I have believed that they were exaggerated for the entire year, but mainly because we, we still had to see the big guns going into February. Like, Philipson had ridden two races, had bad luck in two of them. He had a crash in one of them, had a puncture on the mood in the other one. So I was expecting Philipson to come back from that. And he does that. Yesterday he was close in the sprint. Was that yesterday? I don't even know, but he's gotten close in a sprint in this year. <laughs> and today... He ends up winning it in pretty, pretty solid fashion. Great lead out by Vanderpool. Vanderpool might not be on the level yet when he comes to his classics, but he's going to get there by the time the classics arrive, the big one. So I've got confidence here. Then again, MSR is in a week, right? So he doesn't have much time to get in, in the form for MSR. I think, I mean, MSR, I think Vanderpool's always going to be good at um, yeah. because you only need to be kind of ready for the last hour. It's the harder races where like Estrada Bianca, where if you don't have the fitness, you don't have it. Uh, yeah. In terms of GC, no changes. I did like seeing uh, 8,000 watt master <laughs> Leonard Kamner mixing it up with the Jumbo Visma echelon. That was really cool to see. Um, not really much more to say from this, Benji, just Phillips and doing Phillips and things. Like tomorrow, yep. we have a classics sort of style finish the Grecchio to Tortoretto stage. There is repetitions of a 3.2 kilometer, 7% climb. They do it from the other direction, 4.6 Ks, 4.2% uh, or different direction. Initially, they finish on that. This has got to be Pidcock. Uh, this is going to be the Pidcock versus Wout van Aert versus Vanderpool stage, no? We'll see how good Vanderpool and Roglic. van Aert are on this stage. Roglic actually. Also do really well on this stage if he's what in form, which we all sort of don't know. So that's a that's a good question. What are they doing? I don't know. I generally don't know. Benoit Cosnefois is a name ultra on the table. Is he no, here? he's a he's not here. I was looking at the 2022 star list, which is no, he is here. Oh, he is here. He's he also here. here this year. Yeah. <laughs> so they he's finally set him two races that suit him. Yeah. <laughs> Other riders that will do well here. Axel Zangler. No, oh. too hard. Too hard. Oh, okay. I, I, I believed out. in the young, talented Frenchman, my man. Not, not that talented. <laughs> okay. F. Lefebvre. Sean Quinn, top 10. Mm-hmm. Pacher. Woods. Too Pacher hard, is nice. Maduas. You know, I do love Pacher. Maduas, man. Buggy. Enrique Mas. Who else? Enrique Mas. That kills me every time. <laughs> uh, Almeida. Alaphilippe. Covey's nice. Yates. Alphalete is hit. Damn, we got some fucking good punchers contesting this stage. <laughs> Peacock, Vanderpool, Alphalete, Wout van Aert, Cosnefra, Lefay. This is really nice. Now, I know half these Adam riders... Damn. This is like the punchers world championships. Well, the problem is that most of them are not in form. <laughs> I know, that's the thing. It's like... It sounds good on paper, but half like half them are here literally like, I'm here to train, bro. Not <laughs> I cause like from one, I get dropped first climb. One leg that works <laughs> at the moment. But this is kind of a copy paste of the Belante stage, no? Yeah. Of last uh, year? Or is it I, harder? 
this is harder, I think. Uh, Belante, let me have a look. See, oh no, Benji's not far off. Belante was 4.2k, 6%. So, mate, it's a copy paste. It is copy paste, yeah. It is virtually the same. A little bit harder, a little bit steeper. The finish so, of Belante was 3.7% for the last 1200 meters. That's not that hard. Simmons on the break for KOM. We're going for the stage this time. Is he uh, here? He will attack at the base of the last climb and drop, I think. I think Simmons wins the stage. No, come on. <laughs> what? YOLO. I mean, I'd love to see it, but I don't think so. Um, I'm going with... I'm going to go with Roglic. I think Roglic is baiting. I, I think he's trolling. <laughs> really? Yeah, I think he's trolling. Shaved, the unshaven legs. I think... If I was Yumbo, yeah. If I was Yumbo, I'd pretend he's going to the Giro and then last minute drop out <laughs> of the Giro. No, then, then be terrible at the Giro. Then sign him up for the Tour de France. I mean, it's, it's still time. <laughs> like, <laughs> possible. Um... <laughs> He hasn't done that many race days, but yeah, I'll be interested to see how they go. They got the team Benoit. Maybe they, maybe they play it like a classic stage and Benoit goes early um, and force Alperson and Quickstep to chase. Hopefully it's good. I think... No, no, I'm rescinding my pick. Rescinded. Officially rescinded. Pitcock absolutely tortures everybody. I think he's going to okay. cook everyone. Quinn uh, Simmons. Simmons and me going with uh, Pitcock. He's recovered from his hangover, even though he doesn't drink. So... That's him and Remco don't drink, but he had a hangover. I'm just going to, that works for the TT in my little narrative. Anyway, Toronto, <laughs> an interesting finish to what could have been a really dire stage. Actually, two good days of racing. Tomorrow, we should have a break in Paranese, and I think this is the one to watch. A lot of good punchers going head to head. Any last thoughts, Benji? What have, what have I been going? Oh, movie reviews. Um, I said this on Twitter. So, is there anything worse? You know when you build up a movie you're going to see and you love the director and you think it's going to be so good because you, you like love the director so much and it's also the movie's been well hyped. So like I loved In Bruges, I loved Three Billboards, I loved The Guard, some of my favorite movies. So I like Martin Mc, McDonough's like new movie Banshees of Interim. I saved it for the long haul flight from Singapore to Barcelona. I'm locked in, ready to watch it, and I built it up in my head. And it's like award-winning, and it's got Farrell, it's got Gleason in it, and it wasn't a bad movie, but I just didn't enjoy it as much as my expectation thought I would because of all those factors, and that was so much more disappointing than if I just randomly watched a bad movie, and it just it really threw me. And I didn't know how to feel about it. And I just didn't think it was that funny. And I didn't get the point of it. Do you ever have that? Cool story, bro. You've never had that, that with a movie? I've got or a series. TV shows probably. Like a second in, season or something. Yeah, definitely with second seasons and like TV shows that I'm looking forward to and so forth. But I, I've gotten to the point where back in the day, like student days, I watched so many TV shows that I only watched like the ones where I'm certain it's going to be good ones. And if they then disappoint, then I'm devastated. I'm a broken man for life. Oh, and yeah. yeah, that does occur. But 
I get over it because cycling is my escape from the world. And then I look at cycling and I'm like, oh, everything's good again. <laughs> Fuck me, mate. I look at cycling and I'm like, holy shit, I, my brain just thinking too much. <laughs> I, <look, laughs> I want to watch things to chill out. <laughs> cycling's not where I got to relax. And then I watch Banshees and I'm like, Jesus, Irish family's not talking to each other. It's a little bit close to home for me. <laughs> no one's speaking to each other in Irish family. So maybe that's why I didn't like it. It's like, you're not happy unless we all have grudges against each other. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, that's my movie review. I thought uh, Ray Fiennes in the menu was actually very good. And in The Forgiven, I thought that was a very poor movie. Um, but maybe because... Maybe because I'm the villain in all these in all the movies at the moment. You know, the villain is me. In Rocky, it's the Russian, you know, boxer. The, maybe because the villain's me now. I'm like, oh, I don't like this movie. It's like, because you're the fucking villain, you idiot. Anyway, that's my movie reviews. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you with Paranis Turan tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 